It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Diz Radio and the Diz Radio Show. And as November has arrived, it is cold here in the DoD 76 studios here at Diz Radio. But don't worry, we're going to warm things up by taking that trip to the past for show number 227 for the week of November 7th, 2019, as we're welcoming none other than Cliff DeYoung here at the show. Now, Cliff DeYoung, you may know from Disney's classic 80s film, Flight of the Navigator. He was also part of the cult classic, The Craft. Glory, Shock Treatment, which was the Rocky Horror Picture Show sequel, Grey's Anatomy, X-Files, and so much more. And Cliff is going to stop in and talk about a variety of different things. What it's like being part of this classic 80s Disney franchise movie with Flight of the Navigator, working with the special effects, and being memorable in that role even today's date. As well as many other things, being part of the cult classic The Craft and his musical career. In addition, no show would be complete without the D-Team, and you have the questions, and he always has the answers, and Aaron is going to answer all your questions, and I want to know. We have Jeremy taking that trip down memory lane with This Week in Disney History. And let's not forget Michael, who's live in the parks with This Week's In Walt's Footsteps. We have all kinds of news hot off the D-Wire, from Disney+, Plus, Kitchen Appliances, the Disney Channel, Walt Disney World, Epcot, the Holidays, and so much more. So before we jump into this week's show and kick things off and take flight, so to speak, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Castles and Dreams Travel, and Castles and Dreams Travel is 100% free agency. They're going to help you plan, book, prepare, and make the most out of your Walt Disney World vacation. From dining reservations, character interactions, you name it, they're going to hold your hand, walk you through the process. They're award-winning and have bilingual experts. So definitely check them out, Castles and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of DizRadio. So all of you D-heads, with that said, it is time to take flight. Take that trip back into the 80s, as well as going into the future with Flight of the Navigator and so much more. So let's officially kick off show number 227 for the week of November 7th, 2019. Sure. Last week was aliens. This week they took you for a ride on a flying saucer. Popcorn? Thank you. Sure. Nice one. Huh? 
Hello, I'm Michael Eisner, and welcome to the Disney Sunday Movie. I'm here with the oh. Disney gang, and we're getting ready to watch the conclusion of the flight of the Navigator. Oh, boy. Uh, Mickey, who last week proved he has a vivid imagination, is now telling us he's been riding around in a flying saucer. Uh, next, you're going to tell us that they dropped you off so that you can watch the movie with us tonight. Uh-huh. That's right, Michael. Uh, it's the door. I'll get it. I'm sure it's for me. <laughs> Huh, it's my ride. I told him to come back after the movie. Huh? I guess one should never doubt Mickey Mouse. That's right. Come stop your crying, it will be all right. Take my hand and hold it tight I will protect you from all around you I will be here, don't you cry Oh, I'm so small, you seem so strong My arms will hold you, keep you safe and warm This bond between us can't be broken I will be here, don't you cry Could you be in my heart? Yes, you'll be in my heart From this day on, now and forevermore Yeah, you'll be in my heart No matter They understand the way we feel They just don't trust what they can't explain I know we're different but deep inside us We're not that different at all Cause you'll be in my heart Yes, you'll be in my heart From this day Don't listen to them, cause what do they know? We need each other to have and to hold. They'll see in time. I know. When destiny calls you, you must be strong. I may not be with you, but you've got to hold on. Show them together Cause you'll be in 
Hi, this is Randall Kleiser, director of White Fang, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, and Flight of the Navigator, and you are listening to Disney On Demand. I can't believe it. It's Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, LVD heads, as I continue to stay warm here in the DOD 76 studios with 13 degrees, snow already on the ground, we are here in November, and we're taking flight back to the 80s and into the future with Flight of the Navigator, as we have none other than Cliff the Young stopping in here at the show very shortly. So I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 227 for the week of November 7th, 2019, as we have all kinds of fun coming up very soon here at the show. So before I jump into the news hot off the D-Wire, the D-Team with Aaron, Jeremy, Michael, and all kinds of goodies going on here. I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media networks on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Show. That's D-I-Z Radio, S-H-O-W. You can also join our D-Wire Disney discussion group on Facebook as well. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat, and a variety of different places. Just search DizRadio, D-I-Z Radio, Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Disney On Demand, all of which will help you find our fun, unique, magical, different kind of Disney show. And maybe you're just sitting there, you're like, I need the magic in my ears. I need it now. I need to hear his ramblings going on in the left and the right channels. All you have to do is go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio, search Disney On Demand, Diz Radio, or Disney Blue, hit subscribe and get the latest shows as they get released right there on your mobile device, your iPhone, your Android, the device of your choosing. It is that easy and that simple. And if you can't remember any of these because I ramble fast, quick, crazy, and just ramble on, all you have to do is go to DizRadio.com, that's D-I-Z Radio.com, and find all these links there as well. All right, D-Heads, so we have a lot of fun things going on. Not only are we gearing up to go back to Flight of the Navigator, you may remember a few years ago we had Randall Kleiser, yes, the director of Flight of the Navigator here on the show. Well, now we have a good friend of his, Cliff Young, here on the show this week, so lots of good things. So let's jump into the news, hot off the D-Wire, and a little bit of housekeeping. And the first thing to go on with housekeeping is... We are looking for D-Team members. That's right. If you wanted to get involved with a show, you wanted to get involved with a podcast, you love Disney, you love Marvel, you love Star Wars, Muppets, anything at all, you don't have to have experience, just a love and a dedication. It is that easy. So we are looking for people to join the D-Team. On-air segments, behind the scenes, we're looking for somebody to be our archivist uh, with sound bites and so much more, as well as writers and bloggers and You name it, we are looking for people to join our team. So if you're interested in joining the D-Team, joining a show that is approaching our 10-year anniversary in 2020, we want you to join our show. Just drop us a line at DizRadio, D-I-Z Radio at gmail.com. Drop us a line and uh, see if you want to join the team. Start start up the conversation with me and uh, let's get this thing going. All right, that's out of the way. No more housekeeping. Let's jump into the news. And how about the days ticking away? Yes, the days are ticking away for Disney+. And Disney Plus is going to hit it on November 12th. We are just days away from The Mandalorian. 
all kinds of original movies, classic TV shows, and more. How excited are you for Disney Plus? Now, I'm not going to go on and on and on about everything coming to Disney Plus. We've already done that in past shows, and it's all over the internet already, so I don't need to rehash something you can find anywhere. I just had to put the bug in your ear because I am excited. And not only is Disney Plus coming, if you have an LG device or Amazon device, things like that, Disney Plus is already going to be available as an app so you can stream it instantly from that device. If you have an LG smart TV, yeah, Disney Plus is already going to be ready to go on November 12th. So I am excited for Disney Plus. Who else is excited for this? I'm already signed up for my three-year deal that I did a couple months ago. I'm stoked, I'm excited, I am ready, especially for some of the older Disney movies. I'm excited to show my kids the plethora that true Disney has to offer. Now, stepping aside from that, one of the things that we're all going to be doing when we're watching Disney Plus is eating, right? We're all going to be sitting there, we're going to be binge watching, we're going to be eating our food, and that leads us to the kitchen. And how about Smeg and Disney launching a special edition refrigerator marking the first United States partnership? This fall, two global icons of design are joining forces to announce their first ever collaboration in the United States market. Leading the Italian appliance manufacturer, Smeg has now teamed up with Disney to launch a commemorative refrigerator celebrating one of America's most beloved icons, Yes, you already know where I'm going with this, Mickey Mouse. And Mickey Mouse came into the homes, the hearts, and the world in 1928, and now we are going to commemorate it with Steamboat Willie and so many others. Now, Smeg's most popular retro model, the Fab 28 refrigerator, is going to bring to life the whimsical image of Mickey Mouse as we know him today, inspired by the initial Steamboat Willie drawings of Walt Disney. Now, Speg recently rolled out a wave of upgrades to their Fab 28 refrigerator line with the new Smeg Fab 28 Mickey Mouse refrigerator. It's going to have all kinds of Energy Star efficiency, larger interiors, Life Plus drawers for extra cool temperatures, as well as adjustable glass shelves, and a multi-flow cooling system. Now, this is cutting-edge technology inside of a refrigerator that looks retro. It looks like something right out of the 50s. It is an awesome refrigerator. We have images posted on our website. Now, their official press release has stated the Smeg Disney Synergy is inherent. We are honored to work with such a renowned creative company. They say the kitchen is the heart of the home, and bringing households together, whether through food or entertainment, is at the core of which each brand stands for, said Paul McCormick, the National Sales and Marketing Director for Smeg USA. After the success of our initial partnership in the United Kingdom, we are pleased to bring the newly designed Mickey Mouse Fab 28 to the American market. Now, it is going to be a hefty price tag, so hopefully you truly do love Mickey Mouse, because not only was he founded in uh, 1828, Mickey Mouse was born, I don't want to say founded, um, this fridge is going to run $2,799, so roughly $2,800 as well, so the nice number of 28, the Fab 28, you know, Mickey Mouse 1928, and uh, buying it for $2,800, so... It's going to be hefty, but it is awesome. So if you want to find out more about this, we have a full write-up on our official website at DizRadio.com, or you can go to SmegUSA, that's S-M-E-G-U-S-A dot com. Now, moving aside from the food, another thing that happens with food is, of course, 
Yeah, we're talking about the holidays. And holidays always has food as well. But how about Disney announcing three separate star-studded holiday specials? Yes, there is all new holiday lineup for you to set your DVRs to. Now, first up, it's the wonderful world of Disney, the magical holiday celebration, which is going to air Thursday, November 28th. And it's hosted by former Glee star Matthew Morrison and Spice Girl Emma Bunton. And the show is going to feature performances from Walt Disney World and Disneyland, from Sting and Shaggy, Pentatonix, and many others. Now, they're also going to have a variety of other things as well, including Fifth Harmony singer and current Dancing with the Stars standout, Allie Brooke, is going to be there as well. And she's going to be joined by her blackish star as well, Marci Martin. Now, next up, it's the Disney Channel Holiday Party at Walt Disney World. Now, this one is going to air on December 13th on the Disney Channel. And you're going to have Pentatonix and Shaggy once again, and they're going to perform on the show and have all kinds of fun. Now, this is a Disney Channel one. Your kids can kind of turn it on. It's going to be full of music, fun, stars, you name it. And finally, the one that everybody knows, which to me... It just doesn't hold a candle to the old Regis Philbin ones. Yes, you know where I'm going with this already. It's the Disney Parks Magical Christmas Day Parade airing December 25th on ABC. Now this is going to have a variety of different stars, music, and basically what it's come to be, which is just a big music uh, special, which I miss the old days. I miss where they actually show the parade, the fun, the behind the scenes, but you know, We can either wish for Regis Philbin to come back in his old age or even just get Neil Patrick Harris back because that was still an awesome, awesome Christmas special. But now, three new separate star-studded holiday specials are hitting for all you Disney fans out there. The Wonderful World of Disney Magical Holiday Celebration, the Disney Channel Holiday Party at Walt Disney World, and of course, the Disney Parks Magical Christmas Day Parade. Now, maybe you're just looking to get something free. Who isn't looking for something free? And how about Disney offering a chance to win a free trip to visit Norway in honor of Frozen 2? Yes, if you're looking for a vacation where you can let it go, so to say or so to speak, you're in luck. In honor of Frozen 2 premiering this month, Adventures by Disney is giving away a free Scandinavian adventure. Now, the company is teaming up with Nature's Own to offer a trip to the place which inspired Elsa and Anna's home. Now, two lucky winners will spend eight days in Oslo, Norway, visiting the Winter Wonderland. Now, this is an experience worth more than $16,000. So, this isn't a cheap giveaway. This is something that is truly a If you win it, you are going to enjoy this. I would love to go there. To me, it would be awesome to check it out. Now, you're going to enjoy a scenic nature of the country has to offer, including all kinds of glacier lakes, mountains, and more. Now, you can do this and enter. All you have to do is go to naturesownadventures.com to enter the sweepstakes. That simple, that easy. Go there, enter it, and you will have your chance to win. The winners are going to be announced by the premiere of Frozen 2. So now you can win a trip to visit Norway worth over $16,000 from Adventures by Disney and Nature's Own. So go to naturesownadventures.com and enter the sweepstakes for your chance to win. And trust me, I've already entered it because I really want this trip as well. Now, moving back to the parks here, how about Disney sharing a sneak peek at Minnie Mouse Fireworks Show? Yes, the holidays at Walt Disney World are another opportunity to tap into the visitors who prefer to come in the region in a cooler weather time for the holiday fun. Now, that's why the theme park giant continues to add new experiences for guests, including new nighttime shows in its Magic Kingdom theme park, and this time, themed after Minnie Mouse. Yes, now here's the official thing 
from the Disney Parks blog. Yes, I'm reading this word for word for all of you D-heads. Let's see if I can make it sound like I'm an announcer or something, right? The skies above Magic Kingdom Park will sparkle to life this holiday season as visions of fireworks dance in the air during Minnie's wonderful Christmas time fireworks. Now, Minnie Mouse is our host, inviting everyone to come together in celebration of the magic of Christmas. The sky fills with fireworks as we're swept up in melodies of beloved holiday songs from Joy to the World, Deck the Halls, Up on the Housetop, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, and the music of the show is going to evoke heartfelt memories of home, family, and more during this festive fun season and event. Wow, that is a buildup that just makes you want to just celebrate the holidays and feel warm and tingly inside, holding that, uh, you know, that peppermint mocha coffee right there in your hand. Now, in addition to Minnie's wonderful Christmas time fireworks this year and Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, you can also be among the first to experience the new holiday enhancements that are going to take place at your favorite attractions, such as Space Mountain and the Mad Tea Party, and of course, the all-new holiday show at Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor, and let's not forget the Jingle Cruise. Everybody loves that one as well. So there's going to be all kinds of fun things, uh, and, and all right, I did forget one, the Tomorrowland Speedway. You're going to find yourself cruising on the festive freeway with all new lights and thousands and thousands of Christmas lights and decor. Now, the activities and attractions are all part of Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, which runs on select nights starting tomorrow, Friday, November 8th, through December 22nd. Now, it's a seasonal event. If you're new to Disney or you're new, you didn't know this this existed, it is a fun one, and it is one that it just transforms the park into holiday fun, magic, and more, and for everybody that wants to head to the Orlando Park during this time. It is definitely a fun one. So, all VD heads, with that said, I'm going to wrap up news here. It's a little bit of a light week for news because everybody is gearing up for Disney+. Plus Right now, everything all over online, all over the market, everywhere else is Disney+, Plus. right? It all has to do with Disney+, Plus, Disney+, Plus launching, but... I did get a little bit of news in there for you, but remember, yes, my call out, my housekeeping, if you want to join the D team, we are looking for members to join up here at the show and be part of the D team, drop us that line. So, we have all kinds of fun. We're taking that retro trip to the past and into the future at the same time with Flight of the Navigator. As we have Cliff DeYoung stopping in from Flight of the Navigator, Glory, The Craft, Shock Treatment, Grey's Anatomy, X-Files, and so much more. We have the D-Team with Aaron answering all your questions. Jeremy taking this trip in Disney history. As well as Michael, who's live in the parks with This Week in Walt's Footsteps and all kinds of fun. So before I release the reins here to the D-Team and the rest of the show and we gear up for Cliff, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Castles and Dreams Travel. And Castles and Dreams Travel is a 100% free agency. They're going to help you plan, book, prepare, and make the most out of your Walt Disney World vacation. From booking your airline tickets, your hotel reservations, your character interactions, they are going to hold your hand, treat you like family, and walk you through the process. They have award-winning bilingual experts to help you with any language barriers and more. So definitely check them out. Castles and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-heads, with that said, it is time to press on, take flight, have fun, and just get those good warm feelies as we gear up for Disney Plus by taking that trip to the 80s classics for show number 227 for the week of November 7th, 2019.
Share a dream together around the world With a voice from every country, a face from every land We'll celebrate the future hand in hand We'll celebrate the Touch tomorrow today to make some memories that'll never fade away. standard early on with the Imagineers. There was a standard that surprised people. So they left thinking, wow, how did Disney do that? This is a dream that started in Anaheim that's traveled the world. We've come a long way through the years, haven't we? Unbelievable. Such a pride in being able to create a place that brings that much happiness to people. Anytime you take people behind the scenes, you see the imperfections, <laughs> the trial and error, or the experimentation. <laughs> behind all of these curtains are different projects going on. This is the cutting edge of the technology of Imagineering. Is it true? There is this underground city, and I wonder what's down there. I don't know if you've ever walked through the hallways of a Star Destroyer before. Oh, we're in the inner sanctum of the Disneyland Matterhorn. Nobody ever gets the chance to see us. Only a special few. This is 
is Roley Crump, a Disney Imagineer, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Hi, my name's Jeremy, also known as the Spider-Pan of the Neverland podcast to Disney and beyond. And this is Great Moments in History, but only the Disney parts. All right, D-Heads, I'm continuing my series that I've had of sharing what happened to some of the artists at Walt Disney's Laugh-O-Gram Studios here in Kansas City after Laugh-O-Gram went under. And today is a big name, and I'm very proud that he is from my area because he's done a lot. Today I'm talking about none other than Isidore Frizz Freeling. Born August 21st, 1906 in Kansas City, Missouri, my hometown. He met Walt at the United Film Ad Service. Uh, originally, he had met of iWorks, and Hugh Harmon introduced him to Walt as a Laughogram was ending. So he kind of comes on at the very end of things. Uh, but after Laughogram had ended, he followed Walt Disney to Los Angeles in 1923, seven months later. And I suspect that seven-month delay may have had something to do that he wasn't that familiar with Walt, but he had he'd known Walt had failed at a business already, and so he might have been a little hesitant. I don't know. I can't confirm any of this. That's just my own thought with that seven-month delay. That also might have been, of course, some time to kind of gather his things together to make the move to Los Angeles to begin his new life. Uh, but he did work on the Alice comedies and Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. He moved to New York to work with Margaret Winkler and Charles Mintz. So when Oswald was taken away, he was one of the people that was wooed away by Charles Mintz. Uh, he didn't believe that Harmonizing series would actually have been successful. Remember I mentioned last week Hugh Harmon and, and Rudolph Ising were starting their own series and it did fail, so Fritz Freeling was correct about that. Uh, but he did work on something called Crazy Cat up there with uh, Charles Mintz and Margaret Winkler. He moves back to California then when Harmon and Ising sold to Warner Brothers. Uh, that is, of course, when they start working for Warner Brothers and Looney Tunes is going to start getting fired up because of Harmon and Ising. Uh, so he himself joined Warner Brothers in 1930 and became a full-time director by 1933. And Walt would see I. Freeling credited on cartoons and call him I.P. Freely. I'm sure Walt had a little bitterness as Frizz Freeling was one of the ones who sold out to Charles Mintz and abandoned Walt because Walt was big on loyalty. Uh, so I have a feeling that's where that came from, a little bit of uh, a jab there. This is actually something I learned from Jim Corcus when I had him on my show at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can come and find that. A lot of fascinating things I learned from Jim Corcus. Uh, but not everything was actually in the show, but we talked about some of the, uh, well, another park that was almost built in St. Louis. And so that's a very fascinating episode. I can't remember what the episode number is right now, but just come back and check it out. Anyways, moving on. He created or redesigned, Frizz Freeling did this, Created or redesigned Bugs Bunny, Porky Pig, Yosemite Sam, and Sylvester the Cat. Now, you would have to remember, of course, you know, Bugs Bunny, when you see some of the old cartoons, he had slightly different design, and he suddenly gets a redesign. So he didn't create some of these characters, but he did give them a redesign into what we're more used to. Uh, now, Frizz Friesling was short, red-haired, and bad-tempered. And so it is said that he is actually kind of the inspiration of what Yosemite Sam turned out to be. Uh, he is also credited with some redesign on Tweety Pie into Tweety Bird, because if you see the original Tweety Pie, he's this weird little pink bird. He was supposed to be a little bird that didn't have its feathers in the first cartoon. It's really weird. 
and stuff. But he stops directing in 1936, and he's joined by Fred Tex Avery in 1937. And he won, Fritz Freeling won four Oscars over at Warner Brothers and then moved to MGM to work on Captain and the Kids. He was actually offered almost double the pay that Leon Schlesinger was paying him at Warner Brothers. He also started a series of shorts based off of a comic strip. That's what Captain and the Kids was, by the way. Uh, but that was not successful. So, Fritz Freeling returns to Warner Brothers in 1939 and stayed until Termite Terrace Studio was closed in 1963. Now, when I was reading up on this, Termite Terrace, I think, might have been uh, like a colloquial name or something the artists might have called the Warner Brothers Studios. Maybe they had a really bad termite problem. It just seemed a very interesting name, but I have, once again, I cannot confirm anything on that. I just found it odd that they called it Termite Terrace. 1963, he co-founded DePate, and I don't know how to say his name, but I've always called it DePate, but DePate Freeling Enterprises with David H. DePate. Now, he sub- they subcontract to produce shorts for Warner Brothers. That's there's some Looney Tunes and some Merry Melodies from around 1964 to 1967. So even though he's not working for Warner Brothers, he's in his own company, he's subcontracting. Uh, but they also produced and directed cartoons for television and theater and animated the opening of the Pink Panther film which became a series of shorts for United Artists, later bought by MGM. Their first cartoon was The Pink Fink in 1964, where Frizz Freeling won his fifth Oscar. He produced shorts until he retired in 1981, and then he sold his assets to Marvel Productions. Now, you might recall in the 1980s, Marvel Productions was doing things like Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends. Uh, There was an Incredible Hulk cartoon. Uh, I think they were even behind some of the G.I. Joe and Transformers cartoons. You'll you'll find that Marvel Productions logo would pop up on some of those 80s cartoons because Marvel was trying to move into animation because Stan Lee always was looking forward, but we're not here to talk about Stan Lee. But... The interesting thing is, so now those assets he sold to Marvel are now owned by the Walt Disney Company. There's only a few of them that are not owned. They don't own the Pink Panther. But here are some of the things that uh, they don't own, which is the 1964-67 to Looney Tunes and Merry Melody cartoons made for theaters, because those are owned by Warner Brothers, because they're subcontracted. Uh, The Dr. Seuss television specials made by DePate Freeling, because they're also owned by Warner Brothers. Of course, I mentioned the copyrights to the Pink Panther show and the character are owned by MGM and United Artists. Dr. Doolittle and Return to the Planet of the Apes are owned by 20th Century Fox. The Tiny Tree is owned by AT&T. What's New Mr. Magoo is owned by DreamWorks Classics, NBC Universal, and Comcast. And The Bear Who Slept Through Christmas is currently owned by Lionsgate. These are all things Fritz Freeling worked with David DePate, and they produced these that he did not sell to Marvel, which now Disney owns. Now, how many assets now are did he sell? I don't know. I couldn't find those. But he passed away on May 26, 1995 in Los Angeles. Now, this is interesting. May 26, 1995 is actually the same day that I graduated from high school, and that's also my birthday. Uh, So I turned 18 on that day. That's kind of fun. But it is said that he held a grudge against Walt for being fired, but he always respected Walt's work. Now, of course, I guess the firing might have had something to do with, you know, when he left to go work with Oswald. It's not, I'm not sure what all that is about, because uh, I didn't find anything about his firing. I just saw him going to work over uh, with Charles Mintz. So, but uh, he's always had respect for Walt Disney's work, um, and Walt probably had some respect for him as well, although there was probably that little bit of a grudge thing with whatever had happened. But that is everything I have about Frizz Freeling. He is truly an animation great.
And that's your Disney history for this week. As a reminder, my name is Jeremy, but you can call me the Spider Pan, and I can be found over at NeverlandPodcast.com, where I host my own podcast every week, where we talk about Marvel, Star Wars, Disney, just about anything, and even sometimes go beyond Disney. We frequently say to Disney and beyond. And we also say to keep your pixie in your pocket, but to find out more about that, you'll just have to check out the show. I can also receive email from you at spiderpan at disradio.com, so feel free to let me know of something important that you think I should talk about in Disney history.
true birth and their dealings with stressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Write down that. Magazine, our daily adventure into the world of great ideas. Today we're in the Contemporary Hotel here at Walt Disney World. I'm Michael Young, and my co-host is Dana Hill, who we know from Cross Creek, Shoot the Moon, and uh, the two of us on television. Yes. Television and film, very different medium, aren't they? They're very different, but yeah. I enjoy doing both of them. Well, I hope you're enjoying Walt Disney World. I'm loving it, especially the monorail. Do you realize the monorail goes all over this whole park? Well, you're going to get a chance to find out how the monorail is made and put together, and a lot more. Let me tell you what else we have today. Robots, the stuff of science fiction, from the scary monster types to the cute film versions. Today's real robot technology is in full swing, and we'll take you on a historical journey and show you some of our helpmates of the future. Then personal success. It's an elusive goal for many of us, but perhaps a visit to the Personal Achievement Institute can get you thinking positively and put you on the road to greatness. And Frank Barry makes a clean getaway with his timely tips that take the troubles out of travel. And Mary Ellen Pinkham has her sights set on the most dangerous things you can put in your mouth. Her own fat food hit list. Plus, join Dana Hill and me when we take a high-speed look at just what it takes to create and build the fabulous monorail here at Walt Disney World. All on today's Epcot Magazine. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey, D-Heads, this is Aaron, and it's time again for another installment of I Want to Know. We hope everyone had a great Halloween, and now it's November, and Thanksgiving will be here before we know it. Well, the virtual mailbag is full, so let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week. Our first question is from Henry Rogers of Minnesota, and he writes, Diz Radio, been spinning the show for a few years now, and we're very excited for the 10th year anniversary. I know you all must have some big things planned for it. My question is about Epcot. With all the cool things coming to the park, I recall seeing some old TV shows about Epcot when I was a kid. I cannot find it on Google or anywhere. When I look, it just shows the Walt footage announcing it. Any ideas? If anyone would know, you would. Thanks, Aaron and the team. Well, I believe you're remembering Epcot Magazine. Epcot Magazine was a news magazine television program that aired on the Disney Channel, premiering on the channel's first day of programming on April 18, 1983. Originating from Epcot Center in Florida, host Michael Young, along with a different celebrity co-host, would present segments focusing on topical news and entertainment with subjects ranging from art, food, fashion, and travel. In 1984, a special two-part episode featured a visit to the Walt Disney Archives. The series ran for an hour on weekday afternoons, a half-hour evening edition, in a full-hour weekend edition presenting recaps of the week's stories. The show ran for three seasons. 
And there are some fun videos on YouTube to bring back some memories of this very 80s TV show. Well, our next question is from Martin Salinger of Denver, Colorado, and he writes, Been thinking of the old Disney shows since I discovered your show, which, might I say, is fantastic. Wish I had found it years ago. It's a breath of fresh air from the usual trip reports or rant shows. Well, I digress. I am, as you say, a fairly new D-head. I was thinking of old Disney shows, so Aaron, I call upon you. I swore Benji had a show and had an alien in it. Everyone tells me I'm cracked. And we found all the old Benji movies on Netflix now, and the new one remade by Joe Camp's son was a delight. Any ideas what I'm talking about? Well, you're talking about Benji, Zax, and the Alien Prince. It's a live-action science fiction television series created by Joe Camp, the creator of the Benji film series. The series is produced by Hanna-Barbera and Mulberry Square and aired Saturday mornings on CBS in 1983 with repeats airing in the U.S. and internationally for a number of years throughout the 80s. The series was taped in various parts of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex with interiors taped at the Las Colinas Studios in Irving, Texas. The entire series was released to DVD by Good Times Home Video as four separate releases of three or four episodes each and a single release with all 13 episodes. It followed the story of an alien prince named Prince Yubi who is hiding out on Earth as his home planet of Antars has been taken over by the villainous Xanu. Yubi's guardian is a droid named Zax. On Earth, they are befriended by the dog Benji, who helps keep the hunted prince safe. Each episode was full of close calls and lots of low-budget special effects, though for the day, they probably were not as low-budget as they look. The show did have some earnest drama, as Yubi would often speak of his imprisoned mother and his dead father, not to mention his wish to someday return to his planet and save his people from Xanu's tyranny. There are several episodes on YouTube to watch, or you can buy the complete series on Amazon. Well, our final question this week is from Genevieve Wonski of New York, and she writes, Aaron and Diz Radio, and the team, or whoever researches. I'm a young listener, and have been going old school into the Disney Channel original movies. I want to watch all 100 they have to celebrate a few years ago. There was a series with the one actors from the soap operas and Raven, but I'm having trouble finding it. Can you direct me to that? Well, you're remembering Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. It's a 1999 Disney Channel original movie directed by Kenneth Johnson and starring Christine Storms as a heroine. The film was based on the book Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century written by Marilyn Sadler and Roger Boland. The film was originally conceived as a pilot for a potential television series. The film was the first under the Disney Channel original movie banner to produce a sequel, Xenon the Sequel, in 2001, and a third and final installment was also produced, Xenon Z3, in 2004. Raven Simone played Nebula Wade. Xenon is a mischievous 13-year-old girl has lived most of her life in a space station with her family. Her curiosity gets her in trouble once too often, and she's grounded, 
which in her world means she's sent to Earth. The horrified Xenon has to learn how to handle gravity, Earth culture, and being an outsider with Earthside teens, as well as having to thwart a sinister plot to destroy her space station. The show and its two sequels are available to watch on Amazon and iTunes. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for a great question and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads. Tonight! Cetus Blast off with a Disney Channel original movie. Xenon, girl of the 21st century. No air duct cruising, no recycle bin diving, and please try to stay out of restricted zones. She's your typical cosmic kid who's been grounded. Shuttle departure in three minutes. But when disaster hits home base, it's up to Xenon to save her family and friends up in... Everybody up there is in danger more than... Watch Xenon, girl of the 21st century, starring Kirsten Storms and Raven. Tonight at 8, 7 central on Disney Channel. Open up your eyes, take a look at me If the picture fits in your memory I've been dreaming by the rhythm like the beat of a heart And I won't stop until I start to stand out Stand out
their dealings with pressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that David Freeman is about to experience the fantasy adventure of a lifetime. Sit down. I think there's been some sort of mistake. Your brain contains data necessary to get me and my friends home. I'm just a kid. You are the navigator. David Freeman is played by talented actor Joey Kramer, who didn't mind sharing the spotlight with Max the Robot. Talking to Max, the eye, it's not really that difficult because um, when I was working with it, I got to, you know, really know it and... And I was used to being with it every day, and so it was sort of like it was a real human being. Don't you want to take a turnpike? I'm the navigator. Forming a relationship between an actor, a little boy, and a mechanical puppet is very difficult because it's not alive. And so Joey started relating to Max in character, and not looking up at Tony, who was operating it, but talking directly to the uh, creature. And uh, using that technique, it slowly... Uh, a, a relationship with slowly formed. For a special time only, Disney Channel subscribers can get a free flight of the Navigator pen. Check out the August magazine for details. This summer, Walt Disney Pictures presents Be Cool, Dude! Flight of the Navigator. Lights! Camera! Action! It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Diz Radio and the Diz Radio Show. And as we continue to bring you the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, whether that's television, movies, animation, you name it, Disney has always played that part in your life. And with us here this week is somebody that's no stranger to any of that. You know him from such great things like Flight of the Navigator as well as the cult classic The Craft. We have none other than Cliff Young here. Welcome to Diz Radio. Oh, thank you very much. It is our pleasure having you on. Your resume continues to impress. The list of credits and accomplishments and, you know, all these different roles that you've been a part of in people's lives just continue to get passed on and continue to be created. I guess the one thing that we always love to start off with right away is what led you down the road of wanting to become an actor and this being a lifelong career now? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's a crazy thing to do, but I was... uh... In the late 60s, I was in a rock and roll band called Clear Light, and uh, we were with Elektra Records with The Doors and Love and all those guys, and we did a lot of touring, and one of the stops we made was in New York, and I went to the theater surreptitiously. See, when you're in a rock and roll band, you can't be seen to be doing anything sort of intellectual like going to the theater, so I had to sneak off to Broadway and see some shows and was very inspired by that. So when the band broke up, I moved to New York and said, I'm going to try it for a while. And it worked out really well. You know, I did hair and on Broadway and sticks and bones and a bunch of things. So uh, the theater was the first thing. Then I got cast in a thing called Sunshine, a TV series movie. So I moved back to my hometown of, Cal- of Los Angeles and started doing that and been doing it ever since. Well, you know, and it's the kind of thing where it's been fruitful for you. And, of course, everybody else has been able to really, you know, enjoy all the work that you've done as well. Now, I guess with that, you know, you've been in over 80 films, television series, so many different things. And, of course, the one that everybody loves, Flight of the Navigator from the the Disney-centric fans here. It's a great classic. Everybody loves it. It was this little niche in the 80s that, you know, just 
plays this moment in time, takes you back to the simpler time in cinema and movies. Uh, how did you get cast in the role for Flight of the Navigator and being part of what was a very different direction for Disney at the time? Yeah, it was, and it was a very good direction. Uh, the director and I, Randall Kleiser, had been friends and wanted to do something together, you know, all the time. And all of a sudden, this came up, and he said, you know, you're going to have to be younger, and then when the guy's in space, you're going to have to grow. And I said, well, I've got some ideas for that. And uh, also, Angela Cartwright was in it, who I had knew, known before from a couple of TV things. So it was a really nice get-together of, of friends. Uh, and I always worried about the kid, you know, Joey Kramer, the... I said, you got to get a good guy because if he's just an actor, actor, actory kid, it's going to be really boring. So they got this Canadian kid, Joey Kramer, and he was amazing. And I said, oh, good. I think this is, this is going to be really well. We've got really good because we've got the right kid and then all of us. And, and uh, I had a feeling that it was going to be successful. And since then, in my travels, you know, on location in different places, you know, kid, people have come up to me or are now 20 who were 10 when they saw it or 30 when they were 10 when they saw it and said, you were the dad. So it's amazing how how resilient it was and how people remember that. And when they see me, they go, oh, yeah, you're that guy. And I say, yeah, good. I'm glad. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad one remembers these things. Well, you know, and with that, too, like you said, it's one of those where people remember you from that film. And that film really did spark a new direction for Disney. And, of course, the special effects. I guess, you know, when you had a chance to finally see the film when it, when it was completed, you know, in the 80s, those were state-of-the-art special effects. Were you just wowed by the story? They were Norwegian guys, the guys who did the inside the spaceship thing. I think they went to Norway, actually, to do the little puppety thing and, the, you know, all of that stuff, and then there was a big spaceship out on our front lawn for a while. So, uh, yeah, I saw it, and I was I was very impressed, you know, because you see the storyboard of how it's going to look, and then you play the thing. So it was, it was different. It wasn't just all CGI. It was puppetry, and they had to build a spaceship, and they had to build stuff, and uh, it was it worked. Now, you know, working on this film, you know, because it has this lasting power and, you know, people recognize you from it and it has, you know, once you're part of something with Disney, it continues to be passed on for generations and whatnot. Now, working on that film, is there any one scene or one part of that film that you really just loved working on, whether that was behind the well, it was, on camera? Uh, th there was a couple of them. I didn't mean to interrupt you. There was a couple of them. And one was, see, we, we just had a reunion of, uh, Flight of the Navigator people. An English lady is doing a documentary about Joey Kramer, the kid, because he, as soon as we finished our film, apparently he got in trouble in Canada, and then he sort of went to jail and stuff, and then he's out, and now he's counseling people. And I mean, it was a very interesting story, and she's doing a, a documentary on that called After the Navigator. So we had a reunion. We all talked it over. It was a lovely time. Angela and Randall and Jonathan Sanger, the producer, were there, and, and, and Joey Kramer was there. And we had a nice thing. And they were asking me about this. And, and one of the – and the director said, you know, you're the trouble – the scene you were having trouble with was when Joey uh, – I mean, I'm using the actor's name. I can't remember the kid's name. When he – the I, character yeah. – he he comes David. back. Yeah, David. He's been away for eight years. 
he comes back to our door and he's the same age as he was when he left and we're all older and stuff and he knocked on the door and we open it and there he was i never i didn't know how to do that scene i mean i thought well where do i relate this to and sanger said you know we had a talk and we were all talking trying to get you into it and then i thought of different things and then it went just they opened the door and it went bang and she cried and I was startled and it and it worked out okay but I had a little trouble with that one because I couldn't kind of relate to what it was and then the same thing when we walk out on the lawn and see the spaceship <laughs> you know you hey man this is then I wasn't so like uh methody schmethody worried about what my reaction was and that was just fun we just walk out there and go holy you know that stuff but it was always fun and it was always working it seemed like you know you never were in it wasn't it you know they had that one from sex in the city that girl uh she was in it and she was great and i thought wow now even the little supporting guys are good so yeah it was it was a lot of fun man well right you know and that's the kind of thing where you take these memories and you know they've stuck with you but of course you know being 1986 and of course you know now we're all the way 2019 did you ever in your wildest dreams imagine that it would have the lasting power that it has had all these years no and you never you never do know that you know because i was in a movie called glory where i had a little bit in it about the first black company in the civil war the north the civil war with denzel and Morgan Freeman and and uh I came for like 10 days and did my best with my friend Ed Zwick who directed it and now that thing is still running. I thought, man, I was in and out in 10 days and 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 then it turned out to be a really great movie. As I said, I came into uh Flight of the Navigator thinking, well, shoot, I know all these people and we've got a good kid actor, so this is fun. But you never think of it. Once it's over, you're just thinking about, where am I going to get my next job? And then when it does come back to you in the form of, you know, older people saying, man, that meant a lot to me when I was a kid, you're suddenly touched by that and realize that you touched them. And so it's a, it's an interesting feeling that actors are... Uh, I mean, at least I am. I'm always surprised when that happens. Well, you know, and it's the kind of thing where, you know, right, you're, you're doing your job, you're doing this part, and now all these years later, I mean, I've passed this on to my children, and of course, there's always there's always talks of remakes and reboots, but the one thing that always remains true is when it's something as unique and special as the original Flight of the Navigator, it's one of those where people are always going to hold that one on the pedestal. Yeah, because my daughter is now 31 and working in the business here as a fabricator. She makes armor and stuff for Walking Dead and things. When I went to our reunion about, with the documentary, and when she came by, I said, well, you know, I just went over there. I said, you remember that movie that I did called The Flight of the Navigator? And she said, shit, remember it. Everybody was crazy about it. That's I got a lot of status at school because uh, they said, oh, yeah, her dad was in the – and I said, wow. I wish you'd have told me that earlier, because at first I heard it. So yes, it, it is. It is surprising, at least for me, a supporting player who's been a lot of these things. You know, you get overlooked, and you're and rightfully so. You know, it's the stars thing. You're supporting him, and being overlooked is part of the game. So when uh, people don't overlook you and say, "Wow," you think, "Okay, man, I'm I'm up for that." 
<laughs> well, you know, and, and with that too, like I said, you know, being part of something like that, it is, you know, you said supporting player, but without all those roles and all those roles of, you know, him trying to get back in with, it, you know, his parents and them wrapping their head around it. it it's amazing how things are relatable differently. You know, when I was a child watching it, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, if I came back, how would it be? Now I watch it years later, I'm like, how would I be if one of my own kids showed up at the door looking the same? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very good explanation of that because uh, uh, it, it is a very interesting, outlandish situation that you put yourself in, and, and uh, that's probably why I had trouble doing it. <laughs> now, aside from the flight of the Navigator, of course, you've been part of so many other things. I mean, just tons of them from Centennial, uh, you know, uh, shock treatment. I mean, the list just goes on and on. But of course, another one that has legs of its own is The Craft. And that movie, you know, in 1996, it was the time when movies were getting darker and deeper. And, you know, you played uh, the father in there, of course, once again. What is it like knowing that you were part of this, like, uh, deep horror franchise cult classic now? I love it. I I, I love it. I uh, At first I was disappointed because I didn't have much to do in it. And we did a couple of scenes, my wife and I and uh, Robin Tunney, the daughter, that they cut, and I thought, oh, well, shoot, man. But then as I keep seeing it, I think, oh, it was Andy Fleming was right. He should have cut them because you want to get by the parents and get into that weirdness with those girls. I mean, Faruza, oh, gee, she gives you the willies. And <laughs> all of those all of those girls were just, you know, it's just, again, you know, when, sometimes when you're working in a movie, you have a feeling, you know, the second week, the third week, how it's going, what it's doing, how that person is how you're interacting if they're giving you what you need sometimes you have a feeling well you know i don't think this is this is going too well because nobody but every once in a while and both those films the craft and navigator all of a sudden you feel yeah man this is working i'm having fun here and everybody's good so uh you're happy to show up to work every morning well definitely you know and those are two films that were 10 years apart that you were part of that at the time, were cutting edge special effects. So you were part of this like groundbreaking techniques in movies. Yeah, and uh, the, the woman who played my wife in there, and I can't remember her name. God bless her. I saw her a couple of years later, maybe five, maybe a lot of years later, uh, at a party, and she said, "Hey, how you doing?" And she said, "The craft." And she said, "Man, that movie." It's the gift that keeps on giving. Because every three months I get a check from the craft. And, you know, some movies just die and you never hear from them again. But she was very happy that the craft kept showing up all the time and uh, putting a check in her mailbox, as was I. Now, aside from just the craft, Flight of the Navigator, you've been part of a, a variety of different television, of course, which television is an entirely different beast. You know, you, you make your rounds, you're on a variety of different things, you know, stuff from made-for-television movies like North and South, all the way through Murder, She Wrote, The Practice, CSI. Uh, what is it like, you know, being part of, like, you know, franchises upon franchises of television shows where at any given moment we can flip through the channels and like, oh, there's Cliff again. Yeah, well, the idea is that I don't worry about any of that stuff. You know, when they sign you up, you, you're, you're very focused. You zero in. Even, you know, the murder she wrote, which is so formulaic, that's so cool. You want to you want to get in there and mix it up and find out what the, you know, what the truth is and all that stuff. You know, and, and so the idea, I think, that everybody got was 
that they could put me anywhere, which was a very nice thing to do. You know, he can play the bad guy, or he can play this good guy, or he can play that, or he can do this, or he can do that. So uh, I was told by agents that whenever they get into trouble, they just sort of called me and said, well, maybe, maybe he can make something out of this role. And sometimes I could. So it was very gratifying and and it was nice to be a working actor all the time. Well, you know, and with that, you know, that's the kind of thing where when you go on these shows and, you know, you're you're here for an episode or two or whatnot or you're playing the special guest, is everybody always very welcoming, you know, on the set to you in those kind of situations? Well, yeah, but, that you know, that can be that can be a danger, too. And, and because uh, when you get there, they're very welcoming and it's all but the, but you know when you get in a show that's been going for a long time like Grey's Anatomy I did a couple of those and this and that that they you know that you that you become so enamored of these people that you forget that you're supposed to do the character because you want to be nice all the time and sometimes you're playing a character that's not nice all the time so I love the I love that welcome and yeah, they are they're very respectful most shows are very respectful of their of their guest stars uh, except uh, the West Wing. They weren't very respectful of me as a guest star, and I hope that's not a Disney show. So, <laughs> so uh, it was, uh, you know, it's it's nice to get in there and meet everybody and be happy. But as I say, then you go to your room and you get focused and you figure out what you're going to do in relation to the director, and then the director will say, yeah, you can do that, but you can't do that. Then you say, okay, and you go in and you say your lines. and then, But it's always in the idea that the regulars are the stars of the show. It's always focused on them. We come in to just mix it up and get them excited and have them be heroes. So that's okay with me. But all of a sudden, you know, you have to... You have to give them a little push once in a while. Definitely. Well, you know, in playing all these different roles and doing this, you know, it's one of those where it is a job. You're in there, uh, you know, and you're helping bring all these stories to life. And that's the one thing that I feel sometimes gets overlooked is, sure, you're on a couple of episodes of Grey's Anatomy or other shows, but... Without you, there would be no show. It would get old very fast with the same people over and over again. That's a very that's a very kind thing to say, and I appreciate that because I've always looked at it that way. That uh, you know, it's a, it's a gift. It's a gift to them to have me playing, uh, you know, a supporting role because I'm going to give them the pushback that they, that they need to do their characters. You know, but it's always fun coming onto a new set, especially a show that you like and that you've admired and you want to get in there, or a TV movie where it's all you know, it's very focused and very tight because it's not going to be that long of a shoot. You just got to get it all right the first time. So you just go with your instincts or some kind of Roger Corman quickie that you run in and you say, well, I'll just do an accent here because nobody else is looking. So let me try that and see if that works. And, you know, it's just all, it's just always moving forward with an idea, but not just an idea, an idea that can, that can be physically manifested in the in the role you know and uh and that's what was good about flight of the navigator because you had the young guy and then you had the older guy and you had all these weird complications of the space guys and the sun and the thing and the thing and you said wow and also you're in fort lauderdale florida which is fun Definitely. You know, and, and with that, too, you know, because, you know, coming back always to Flight of the Navigator, if they decided to do a reboot or anything like that, would you be up for coming in with a cameo or being grandpa this time? Well, absolutely. That, uh, we talked about that at our little reunion for the documentary with Randall Kleiser and, and 
uh, Angela, uh, you know, uh, Veronica Cartwright is so funny because she said, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. we got to get going. We have the producer here. We have the director. And, and everybody goes, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you know, Joey is like 42 now, so we'd have to do something else. And so, yes, that's always kicked around because you want to – but you could never – you have to understand you can never repeat whatever magical thing happened during that shoot and to, and even to try sometimes is uh, is a little problem i had a show called uh, sunshine that was on on tv in the 70s and then they wanted to revive that about a singer and his daughter and stuff and we we got pretty close to it and then i decided nope i'm not going to do it because it would ruin the the original with the old people trying to recreate it definitely not you can't always go back sometimes it works but the moment in time is because you're in that moment i agree you know it's very astute of you maybe that's why your show's been on for 10 years because uh you know stuff <laughs> well you know we don't want to keep you we don't want to keep you too long but there is one other thing i'd love to touch base upon that most people forget was out there except for that fun fan base out there and of course that's shock treatment because we just wrapped up Halloween and everybody loves the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But, you know, everybody, you know, it, unless you're in that small group, forget that there was a sequel called Shock Treatment. What was it like being part of that? It was great. And uh, it shows on TV once in a while. And I and I did a couple of uh, whatever those things, conventions, because they had Rocky Horror Show conventions for so long. And then Richard O'Brien, who wrote the thing, said, what about shock treatment? So they sort of did 20 years of, uh, of Rocky Horror Show convention. So we had a couple of conventions for shock treatment, and uh, and it was fun. You know, we went to London. We just went crazy. And, uh, and it couldn't have been, it couldn't have been better. It didn't, originally, it didn't get the, the push that Rocky Horror had because, you know, that was a pretty much a one-off. But over the years, people have started looking at shock treatment. You know, this crazy musical about this couple that gets kind of sucked into reality television show and, uh, then kind of spit out at the end. And, it, and it's great stuff and there's some good songs and I had a good time. Very cool. Well, you know, it was our pleasure having you stop in here and so many different things. I guess, do you have anything that you're currently working on? Or are we just going to keep our eyes and ears open just to see where we find Cliff? I, you know, Reese Witherspoon asked me to do a little bit in her movie Wild a couple of years ago. And that was fun. And then I was, they're all just, yeah, no, no, I, uh. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those where I, th I feel you are one of those actors that whether you're changing the channels, you're watching the shows or looking back at great movies you're passing on, you are always, you know, there, you know, just one of those that there's Cliff again, there's Cliff again. And of course, you know, it's one of those where everybody is going to remember you. Now, I guess for all of your friends, all of your fans out there, all the people listening in whose lives you've touched, whether that's through Flight of the Navigator, The Craft, television series, anything at all, even including your musical career, all of it. Is there any final words you'd like to leave out there for your fans listening in? No, it's just uh, I'm very happy that I have any. You know, as a working actor, you just keep working and working and working, and and uh, all of that stuff about celebrity never really affects your life that much. You know, occasionally you get recognized. 
I was uh, walking down the street when my daughter was really little and somebody came up and said, I loved you in this and I loved you in that. And she said, Daddy, why are these strangers always coming up to you and trying to talk to you? And I couldn't quite explain that to her. I think she understands now. But it's just nice to know that there are people out there who recognize the fact that I've been working a long time and doing some good work and, you know, it kind of uh, it's kind of a nice thing. And uh, And I appreciate, you know, you getting in touch with me. Well, it was our pleasure having you stop in, taking this trip down memory lane, and of course, you know, continuing to pass on great things like Flight of the Navigator and more. So thank you, Cliff, once again for stopping in, chatting with us, and I know all of our listeners are enjoying it as well. Thank you, Jonathan. When you're just growing up, every day is a new discovery. But nothing David Freeman has ever experienced will prepare him for the adventure that lies ahead. Sit down. I think there's been some sort of mistake. Your brain contains data necessary to get me and my friends home. I'm just a kid. You are the navigator. Walt Disney Pictures presents a new adventure fantasy. What are you doing? Above and beyond the ordinary. Take me back. Okay. Oh, no. Fight of the Navigator. Do something. You're the navigator, not me. 20,000 feet and falling. Come on, one of these has to start it. His mind is the key to an adventure on the most fantastic hot rod in the universe. A story of a spaceship. That flying saucer's first rate. Be cool, dudes. A friendship. I'm gonna miss you. I'm going to miss you, too. And an experience beyond imagination. Don't you want to take a turnpike? I'm the Navigator. Flight of the Navigator, Disney's new adventure fantasy.
Well, hello to all you D-heads. Mike here in the Magic Kingdom for another walk in Walt's footsteps. And for this uh, segment, we're going to take it all the way back to the 1964 World's Fair. Now, I, of course, am standing here in Tomorrowland, and today we're going to talk about the Carousel of Progress. Now, this was created by both Walt Disney and Wed Enterprises, which we, of course, now do today as Walt Disney Imagineering. It was also a prime feature of the General Electric Pavilion for the 1964 New York World's Fair. The attraction was moved to Tomorrowland at Disneyland in Anaheim, California as the Carousel of Progress, and it remained there from 1967 until 1973. And it was replaced in Disneyland by America Sings in 1974 and reopened in its present home in Walt Disney World's uh, Magic Kingdom in 1975. Steeped in both nostalgia and, in the past, futurism, the attraction's premise is an exploration of the joys of living through the advent of electricity and other technological advances during the 20th century via a typical American family. To keep up with the times, the attraction has been updated five times in 1967, in 1975, 1981, 1985, and again in 1993, and it's had two different theme songs, both written by the Sherman Brothers, who of course are Disney's Academy Award winning songwriting team. And you of course know these theme songs, well, the most popular of course being There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, but the lesser known and sometimes very popular in small circles, Now is the Best Time. Now, various sources say Walt Disney himself proclaimed that the Carousel of Progress was his favorite attraction and that it should never cease operation. This can be somewhat supported by friends and family who knew of his constant work on the attraction. Of all the attractions he's presented at the 1964-65 New York World's Fair, Disney seemed especially devoted to the Carousel of Progress. Now, the Carousel of Progress holds the record as the longest-running stage show with the most performances in the history of American theater. It's one of the oldest attractions in the whole of Walt Disney World Resort, and it also is one of the only attractions at Disney World that was touched by Walt himself. And the show draws a lot of its inspiration from industrial films that American appliance manufacturers funded to demonstrate how their products would change the pattern of domestic chores and improve life. The desire to sell during the Great Depression and the rural electrification projects of the New Deal were two of the motivating forces behind these films. Also, there were remnants of the exhibition from the 1933 Century of Progress exposition in the Chicago Museum of Science and Industry that feature four typical rooms of Chicago houses in various decades prior to the expedition. Now, of course, you guys might remember a little ride in Epcot that I think a few fans are actually still upset about, and that ride is called Horizons. Unfortunately, I never got to ride Horizons, or at least not that I know of. I remember going to Epcot as a family in 1992, but my mom was an avid attraction photo taker, and I've never seen any photos from Inside Horizons, so I can only believe that I never, sadly, got to ride the ride. However, a lot of fans consider Horizons to actually be a little bit of a spinoff and almost a sequel to the Carousel of Progress. Now, I think a lot of people that come to the Magic Kingdom look at Carousel of Progress as a way of getting out of the heat and a nice little 20-minute uh, visit to the air conditioning. And while that is true, for me, Carousel of Progress really is 
the cornerstone and the foundation of the audio animatronic because of the 1964 World's Fair. If you remember with things like Great Moments and Mr. Lincoln and even Small World, without these attractions, we probably do not have the advancements in audio animatronics that we see in the parks and enjoy today. So for me, Carousel of Progress, without its existence, a lot of Disney World just doesn't happen. So for me, when people say that Carousel of Progress is boring or isn't really a ride, it, it actually kind of hurts me a little bit because, again, I just love what, what this ride means and what this ride did to the future of the theme park and for really for what we see in Disney today. So the next time you're here in Orlando and you're walking through Tomorrowland, visit the Carousel of Progress. Sure, like I said, it's a way to beat the heat, but it's also a great way to see some of the history and some of the innovation that made up Walt Disney World and showed the love and the passion that Walt himself carried for his work. Thank you guys for joining me here for this edition of A Walk in Walt's Footsteps. And remember, there's always a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Thank you, Bob, but uh, can you keep a secret? No. Don't tell Harry, but I'm barefoot. And so is Dolores. I couldn't find my patent letters. <laughs> the nominees for Best Music Score, substantially original, are Lawrence Rosenthal for Beckett, Dimitri Tionkin for The Fall of the Roman Empire, Frank Duvall for Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, Richard M. Sherman, and Robert B. Sherman for Mary Poppins. 
Henry Mancini for the Pink Panther. The winner is... Oh, God bless you. The winners are Richard M. Sherman and Robert B. Sherman for Mary Poppins. touched. We want to thank the inspiring Mr. Walt Disney, Mr. Bill Walsh, Mr. Don DeGrotti, and Erwin Costell, Bob Stevenson, our Julie wonderful Andrews, guest, Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke. There are so many people connected with Mary Poppins, I'm sure we left quite a lot of them out. We'll stay up all night thinking of you. Thank you. Thank you, Academy Burns. Hey, D-Heads, you're listening to Disney On Demand. Wow, it's dark in here. Wow, and now it's Finally too bright. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. Kari, Kari McKean. It's like Kari only with a K instead of a C and an A instead of an E and only one R and an I instead of an I. It's Disney On Demand. Well, it started out like any normal sitting gig. You know, with the reassuring of the parent and all. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. I just wish I could forget the whole thing. You will, kid. You will. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. It was a fantastic romp. Lots of great things on the horizon, lots of fun, a lot of looking back. And I want to extend a very special thank you once again to Clifton Young for stopping in here this week, taking that trip down memory lane with Flight of the Navigator, The Craft, Glory, Shock Treatment, so many other things. It truly was a pleasure to have you stop in here at the show, and you are welcome back anytime. I'd also like to thank the D-team of Aaron, Jeremy, and Michael for stopping in with their signature segment. Without the D-Team, as I always say, it would be nothing more than me rambling week in and week out. Remember, you can always connect up with the D-Team on our official website as well. Drop them a line, they don't bite. And most of all, thank you, the D-Heads. You are the reason we continue to bring you this show as we approach our 10-year anniversary. You are the ones that bring the magic, the memories, and the fun here to the show for the last 10 years. You are the reason we continue to bring you these magic and memories. So thank you, the D-Heads. You truly are the magic behind this radio. Now, next week, we're going to continue on into November as we have all kinds of fun. We get ready for Thanksgiving, Gobbling Turkey Day, and so many other goodies. So before I clue you in as to who's going to be stopping in here next week, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. Com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. Dot com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at facebook.com slash show. That's D-I-Z radio, S-H-O-W. You can also join our D-Wire Disney discussion group on Facebook as well. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat, and a variety of other places. All you have to do is search Disney On Demand. Diz Radio, that's D-I-Z Radio, or Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. All three of which will help you find our fun, unique, magical, different kind of Disney show. And if you got to stay connected instantly, you just can't wait. You're like, i got to listen to these guys. I need them in my ears. I need my Diz Radio fix. All you have to do is go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio, search Disney On Demand, Diz Radio, or Disney Blue, 
Find our show, hit subscribe, and get the latest shows right there as they get released for your mobile device, your Android, your tablet, the device of your choosing. It is that easy, that simple. Just hit subscribe. And if you can't remember any of these, because I do ramble pretty fast, just go to DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com and find all these links there as well. All right, next week we continue on into the holidays. We're trekking our way towards Thanksgiving. It's fall. Here in the DoD 76 studios, it is cold today. It is 13 degrees, so it is pretty cold, and we already have two inches of snow sitting outside, so it is a pretty cold day. But what better way to warm up than somebody who is always at the Disney parks, somebody who you see on YouTube, somebody who's telling you all the latest and greatest from the Disney parks happening every single week. I'm going to leave it at that one. So until next week, all of you D-heads, as I always say, take time, slow down, Never neglect family for business. You can always make money. You can't always make memories. Those are moments and times that you never get a chance to get back. So make those moments, make that magic, and make those memories. So until next week, all VD heads, have a fantastic, warm weekend. gentlemen, boys and girls, we invite you to turn your attention to the sky high above Sleeping Beauty Castle, where if you believe and wish hard enough, you too will see the magic of Tinkerbell as she lights this evening's performance of Fantasy in the Sky.
now, to celebrate America, we present our patriotic finale. Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.